How do I know if I'm ready to start dating again? What is an acceptable time frame after a divorce to start? And what will people think? Well, if you're like me, you probably came out of divorce thinking it would be years before you could care to start dating again. And then maybe one day your lady bits surprisingly started waking up before you knew what to do, and now your head is spinning, not knowing where to start after all these years. This is Divorced and Determined AF, the show that supports women with the information they need to know before, during, and beyond divorce. My name is Jamie Milam, and I am determined to empower you to live the life that you desire and deserve by making informed decisions and taking aligned action through the power of internal and external awareness. And sometimes it's so helpful to know exactly what to expect when you decide to step back into the dating world after divorce. When you feel a little more prepared, then you can feel a lot more confident heading into it. And we want to assure you, you're not the only one who wants to do it this time on your terms, in an aligned way. So today, I'm bringing in a dating expert to give us the lowdown on what to watch for to know when you're ready, when it's appropriate, and how to keep yourself at the center of this transition so that you can keep moving forward in the most healthy manner. To guide us through this is Shade Curry, a certified life coach specializing in dating after divorce. Shade has been in your shoes. After a 17-year-long emotionally abusive marriage, she experienced a difficult divorce that triggered all of her childhood neglect and abandonment trauma, which led her on a journey to true healing and rebuilding her life after divorce. Since then, she's gone through her work of emotional recovery, found the love of her life, and is now happily remarried. Shade now brings the same healing, rebuilding, and relationship process to women all over. So as we get ready to dive in here, I just want to remind you that we have more divorce support resources for you over in the Peace of Mind initiative. Head over to peaceofminddivorce.info after the show to explore the free resources available. Now, let's get started. Divorce is an overwhelming process that most of us did not know how to navigate until we were in the thick of it, which can cost us a lot more time, money, and energy than necessary. Divorced and Determined AF hopes to change that. I'm your host, Jamie Milam. I'm a realtor and a certified divorce specialist who not only works with divorcing couples when selling their home, but I am also divorced and I know firsthand how much having thorough resources would positively impact women for years to come. I'm bringing together fellow divorcees and experts working in the field to talk about this private taboo topic, all with the goal to help you feel prepared, educated, assured, confident, and empowered to make informed decisions related to your divorce journey. So whether you're just now considering a divorce, in the midst of it, or are now navigating a new norm and are determined AF to do it your way, this is your safe space. You deserve it. I am so excited that you're here today. I'm kind of thrilled to talk about this topic, dating after divorce, because this was one of those aspects of post-divorce that I really wasn't anticipating that would sneak up on me the way that it did. I mean, I genuinely thought and had conversations with my therapist, like, it'll be years before I date again, which I am sure is not uncommon amongst us ladies, right? Because the truth is, one day I entered my therapy session and I said to her, um, I have to tell you something, and it might be a little TMI overload, but 
uh, my vagina has apparently woken up and she's screaming at me and she wants attention and I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> so I seriously thought that I would be, you know, good in that regards for much longer. I mean, hell, I already had been right in my marriage. So I I thought like, what the heck is this? And am I even ready to consider it? And where would I even begin? Because I know that I'm not actually ready for like a long-term relationship. So I'd love to kind of start here. I want to normalize that it's okay to be confused or even to be surprised by it. So can we start here, Sade, like with this TMI space almost? Like, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's felt this, right? Oh, 100%. That that was exactly my experience as well. And many of my clients and women in my audience experience exactly the same thing. My marriage was 17 years, a little bit of a horror show at a lot of parts of it. The end was very traumatic, very like, you know, not a good divorce. Let's just put it that way. So, of course, the thought of any guy (laughs) anywhere near me in any way, (laughs) shape or form was just horrifying. Like, I, I still remember viscerally my thoughts about that. Like I had a little group of girlfriends who were going through divorce or separation or like, you know, we're in a support group together. And a couple of them were dating and I was just like, ew, ew. Every man was gross to me. Probably for close to the first year of being separated slash going into my divorce. And then he just like, just like you, he just kind of snuck up on me that, oh, I, I still like guys and not just my gay friends. <laughs> I was hanging out with my gay friends quite a bit. I was like, yeah, you all are good. It was like, it really was interesting. I I remember thinking, oh, I guess maybe I do want a partnership again. Maybe I do want to date. Maybe I do want someone to look at me and think I hung the moon or whatever. And I think it's a sign of healing when your vagina wakes up or when your emotions wake up. I think it's a sign that like, oh, I'm healing. I feel better. So now my brain and my heart and my mind is willing to let the good back in. Yeah. You know, I actually even thought to myself like, wow, I'm so glad that I was able to notice my physical bodily response. That kind of took me by surprise. I mean, and we're talking about somebody who had been already working really intentionally on being in tune somatically with my body and the triggers and when something suddenly felt like tense, you know, so to also feel somewhat of that opposite of, okay, and it's not necessarily any person that was making me feel that way, right? It was just mm-hmm. genuinely this aspect of, oh, wow, like, is my body ready? Now, I, now emotionally, I wasn't sure. And so, I had to navigate through some of that. I mean, if you'd asked my friends a year, two, three years before, like I had always said like, oh God, I can't even think about the idea of ever having to date again. It makes me feel gross. Like if you ever saw dating apps in my hand, slap my phone out of my hand and put me in a corner, you know, it's not going to happen, you know? And I, I do think that obviously, like I'm saying, I'm a big proponent of awareness and alignment, of course. And I think that it does especially take self-awareness in order to be present in your own body and in your own journey. And only then can you actually start to take action that would be aligned with what's right for you. I mean, personally, I needed to bring that into therapy and be like, help me so I can 
start to explore that and and discover this and to say, am I actually ready? Am I going to be jumping into this? I didn't want to go back to those teenage slut slut days. So how do I do this in a more healthy manner? And is it an attention grabbing kind of thing? Or, you know, obviously most women who are actively involved in wanting the divorce, we tend to be done well before we're done. And as we both know, since this isn't a topic that everybody's openly talking about, we can sometimes get caught up in those what are societal norms or worried about what other people are going to think? And a lot of women start to wonder what's a normal time frame to be able to be, even be doing this? What are people going to think? What's allowed? So how do you help women through those questions, Shade, in the work that you do? Yes, that's and that's so huge. It's such a great question. I think depending on where a woman is, you can really fall into a lot of pitfalls when you're trying to answer this question. So typically our relationship information comes from for the large part of the population, your mom, your aunt, your girlfriends, the internet, internet searches. (laughs) And a lot of the places where we are getting that information from are not healthy sources, right? Movies, TV, or even like quote unquote gurus who are not in your shoes. So I'll tell you what happened to me when I was at that stage. Again, I didn't come to this work as an expert. I came to it through my own experience and learning and making mistakes and then saying, okay, I need to create something that helps other women. I was in a support group. I was in a couple of different support groups. Okay. A lot of support groups and a lot of coaching programs. (laughs) Let's be real. But one of them had a coach slash mentor around all things divorce. And she presented as guidelines what were actually rules that I now see. And I'm like, mm, that's that wasn't healthy. And so one of the things she had said was, hey, you're not ready to date until you've been single for one year for every three years that you've been married. Exactly. That that's Whoa. the face. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I just about? made it such a face. Like, wait, what? <laughs> Again, one, every woman is different. Every uh-huh. woman's situation is different. Many people have grieved their relationship before the divorce, have healed, have done work. So any kind of rule with numbers on it is just dumb. It's just Mm -hmm. ridiculous and should be thrown into the trash can. So, but the first thing I let women know is that, hey, there are no rules. Don't come to me looking for a rule. I can help you create your own guidelines based on who you are, where you're coming from, what you want, what you'd like to do that makes uh, dating healthier for you, but there are no rules. Like in my case, I would have had to be single for six years, <laughs> according to this person, before I could date. I'm like, that makes no sense at all. Right. And so it really depends on the woman. So a lot of it is exploring what's going on with the woman herself. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'm working with women who've been divorced for 10 years, and some of the most basic healing hasn't been done. So you talked about self awareness. A lot of People, not just women, don't have an emotional vocabulary. So they're feeling things in their body. They're experiencing things and they have no name for it. They don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And so they're living in this state of reactivity. And until you learn what your body is saying to you, what your nervous system is saying to you, <laughs> interpreting those messages and then appropriately caring for yourself, there's just no way to have the emotional balance that you need for dating after yeah. divorce. Some people have that naturally based on how they grew up and their EQ. Some people learn it in their marriage. Some people learn it after. If if you've been divorced for 20 years and you still haven't learned 
your own bodily signals, you may not be ready. You might have to learn that first. You might need an emotional vocabulary first. And so that's why there's no timeline. This is a work that every woman has to sit with herself and say, how well do I know me? Oh, yeah. And that is not a one and done process. I mean, this changes season after season. It changes when you are a mother of a young child versus a teenager, when you are a wife versus you're not. Just going through different seasons, we age, we we get wiser, hopefully. We have more life experiences. So our ability to recognize what do I need or what's going on with me, how well do I know myself, is really dependent on how much you've practiced being present in your own body and in your wants and needs. I mean, there is a reason why second and third marriages have a higher rate for divorce. I wouldn't be surprised if it almost directly correlated to did those individuals do the work on themselves in between, right? Because like you said, you know, myself in particular, I was doing individual therapy well before I made the decision to vocalize, hey, I think I'm done. Because for me, I didn't ever want to say those words until I really felt like it because I couldn't take it back. And we were in marriage therapy. And so it's not like we weren't doing the work to try to keep that together. Like you said, create your own set of guidelines, you know. But at the same time, when we think about these guidelines, Sade, like to help women kind of answer this question of, am I actually ready to do this? Forget about what other people think, but am I actually ready to do this? And maybe there are some signs like, oh yeah, my lady bits, surprisingly getting rowdy. Maybe there's some less subtle signs. I don't know. But what's the first way that we can start to identify if we're actually ready to start dating again? Yeah. Ready when it occurs to you. In some form, in some way, shape or form, you're ready when it's an internal prompting versus an external pressure. Sometimes your girlfriends are tired of hearing you vent or talk about the divorce. And so they're like, well, you know, you should just get back out there as a way to fix the fact that you're in so much pain. That's an external prompting from people saying, you know, just get back out there, find someone else and you'll be fine. Look for the internal prompting, the internal glimmer of hope or desire or wanting. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're wanting a whole relationship and a new marriage. It might just be, I'm at the museum. I love art. I would just love to have someone here with some masculine polarity from my feminine to talk about this painting with. That is a sign that you are moving in that direction. Your body and your mind are healing and moving you in that direction. And so Looking for those inner promptings or noticing, again, back to self-awareness, noticing your own inner promptings is how sometimes women get so stressed, they forget to eat. They don't hear the promptings when their body says, I'm hungry or I'm thirsty. This is similar. Slowing down and having space in your life so that when your body and your mind start to say, hey, we kind of we want this. We kind of want to go on a date. We kind of want to hang out with someone who's not our girlfriend being able to hear that. And when you hear that, that's your body telling you you're ready for something. Now, what you're ready for can vary, but you're ready for something when your heart and mind tells tell you that you are. And that should also be normalized, that it doesn't necessarily mean that I am ready for finding my next spouse or the next person that I'm going to cohabitate with. I will say very frankly that 
I was pretty clear about that. I mean, when I did finally get to a point where I was ready to put myself out there through a dating app, I put on my dating profile that, I mean, right there, that I am not looking for the next long-term thing. I'm looking for something kind of friends with benefits style. I was clear with what I wanted and I communicated that and I made sure that we had a conversation about it. But I also had to do my own check-ins around why though. Is it because I don't trust somebody? Is it because I don't trust a partnership? I had to really check in. And it's still something that I've had to do because quite frankly, The first swipe and the first date out of the app really has still, we're still in (laughs) relationship and I refuse to label it. And I find that sometimes other people have a hard time not allowing there to not be a label. And I just remind myself that people just need to put things into a box for their own mindset. That doesn't mean that it has to be the same as what I'm doing or that I have to make them see it the same way as me, as long as I know what I'm in it for, as long as it's still like meeting my needs. But I will say that, yeah, there were other conversations that were happening in the very beginning that before dating apps, because I, again, I thought you would slap the phone out of my hand and put me in a corner. I did not want to go that route. So I did attempt other routes. So once I decided to say like, screw it, let me give this a try. You may find yourself like, what am I doing? I did not enjoy this. I didn't show up the way that I actually wanted to. So maybe I need to take a step back. So Are there also signs to look for in yourself that help you kind of identify that, uh, okay, maybe I do need to take a step back and still work on some of my own stuff before I try this again? Yeah. So I love like parallel work when it comes to dating, just because the healing journey and the growth journey never ends. And dating is, I think, just an adulting skill that we need. So those are my philosophies about those two things. So the way I look at those things are dating is an adulting skill. It's like networking. It's like going for job interviews. You have to learn to do it to be a well-rounded, healthy adult. Now, when you are on that journey in a culture like ours that really has just created this high stakes, weird, awkward, judgment-filled space out of it, it can be hard to step out there without looking for perfection without wanting to be 100% ready and 100% perfect just because there's so much judgment around it. So what I recommend for women is say, okay, this is a skill. There is a skill to being on the apps and communicating on the apps and choosing someone to go on a date with. There is a skill to showing up on a first date, asking for the second date. There's There's a skill to giving consent for intimacy or not giving consent, saying no, saying yes. There is a skill of judging character so I don't get hurt. There are so many skills here on the dating path that are just required. So when you step out to do the dating, you're going to make mistakes, right? So when if you know that ahead of time, you can start to put safeguards for healing the specific triggers that come up learning the specific skills gaps that you notice along the way without necessarily taking a step back. Mm-hmm. I don't, I just, I don't personally love the idea of taking that step back. It's like when you go to kindergarten and you have trouble reading, nobody tells you to quit kindergarten for three months because you're behind in class, right? 
You stay in class. You get a tutor. You have extra flashcard time with the teachers so that you can keep going while you fill in the gap. That is my personal recommendation. Mm -hmm. It's how I run my practice. So say a woman says, you know what? I'm feeling some glimmers, feeling like I want to hang out with a guy. I think I'm ready. She's not sure if she's doing it out of really being ready or if she's just lonely, right? And she's kind of said, well, I don't know. Which is it? The best way is to say, you know what? I'm going to go on a date, see what comes up. Mm -hmm. If what comes up is good, then I'm good. If what comes up is a trigger, then I'm going to work on that trigger. Yes. Because there's no, there's no amount of healing you're going to do in the therapist's office or in the coach's office or reading books, hiding in your house that's going to prepare you for what's going to come up. Shit is going to come up when you start dating. doesn't matter who you are. Yes, especially after being in a marriage of any length of time. I, y'all, if you, can we just talk about this for a second? Because I love that you took, my phrase of step back was not intentional, but I love that we are pointing out this verbiage because I love the phrase fail forward. And to me, I agree that every step that we take is a step moving forward, even if to us in the moment it feels like, oh, I wasn't ready for that or, oh, that felt like a failure or I felt like I messed up. And when you talked about parallel, that was a concept that my therapist often brought to the table, even whenever I was in my marriage before the separation, is why don't we take these triggers and let's dig into them to figure out what they're saying about you. And we can't do that if we don't have the triggers. So while I was in my therapy of like, how do I decide, like, do I stay or do I go? And almost the same. I just need to feel like, like you said, like, am I 100% ready to start? Well, why don't we use this as an opportunity to explore what comes up and where is that coming from? And then how do we heal some maybe trauma that might involve around that trigger? Because the fact is, is triggers are probably going to continue to come up. Will they minimize over time? likely if we do the work, right? So almost kind of like if there were signs to identify, you know, oh, maybe I wasn't so ready. It's not a matter of, do I need to take a step back and just like say, forget it. It's a matter of paying attention to the same signs that told you, I think I might want to go on a date. And then you say, oh, something about that didn't feel right on that date. Let me discover and dig into that because there's probably some sort of sign within that date that says maybe values weren't aligned and maybe that's the thing. It's not that you're not ready to date or to go on another date. It just may be that it's not to go on another date with that person. And something I feel like, Sade, that I have really learned that there is nothing more important than being brave enough and choosing to communicate my needs and my desires, reminding myself over and over that I am here to live the life that I truly desire. And I can only do that if I honor myself by communicating whatever it is, because we really do see the world only from our own perspective when really there can be more than one, but we don't ever really have the chance to understand if we're interpreting something that has happened on that date, right? Something that made us feel like, ooh, that wasn't right. I find that we have to understand that we perceive things based on 
our life's experiences. And yes, that includes triggers from even our past relationships. And something can remind us very quickly and it can make us feel like, oh, if I keep pursuing this, then I'm just going to end up down the same pathway too. But when we choose ourselves and we say, something doesn't feel right, but I felt like I liked everything else about him. Maybe I just be brave and communicate with him or ask him and get curious to ask him, like, where is this coming from? You may be surprised to find that there was a completely different intention or perspective that you could consider. So what are some of the ways that you encourage women to practice to help them really keep themselves at the center of their own new journey? Yeah. Oh my God. That's such a great question. So yeah, of course we talked about self-awareness. Then the, the next step is really an awareness and an understanding of human nature, which is what you're talking about. Because without thinking um, outside of our own box or without our blinders on, we think human nature and all humans in the world should be like us and should think like us and should do exactly what we expect in the moment. And I think that's just the nature of our brain. We just put things in folders and we think, well, that's the way it should be. But it's not. One of my favorite books is The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. One of the things I loved about it is that it gave me perspective on how there's so many ways human beings could approach the same situation. He just had so mm. many stories from history. And I was like, oh, <laughs> there's all kinds of humans in the world. That's a phrase I use a lot with my clients. I'm like, you know, all kinds of humans in the world. There are so many. Every personality test will tell you there's 16 or there's four. I'm like, no, no, no. Every human is a universe unto themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, approaching every person you meet with curiosity when you're dating is so important. Now, of course, this is assuming that you're not over here being a people pleaser and turning yourself mm -hmm. into a pretzel for every person that you meet. If you've already sort of sorted that out where you're like, this is who I am and you're solid in that, that gives you space to say, who is this person? And so I find a lot of women use external attributes to evaluate men. And that's great as a very basic starting point, but that man that is sitting across from you is more than the sum of his looks, his job, his income, his relationship status, and his charisma. That's just the, the thinnest surface veneer of that human. There's a whole universe going on behind that. And your job is to find out what's going on there in as short a period as possible so you can make a decision about whether this person is for you or not. But when you're just checking boxes, then you're missing a lot. You're, you're missing a lot. And some people are, are, are making yes decisions based on checking boxes, which not helpful because then you find out about the universe maybe too late. And some people are saying no because this person didn't check some boxes, but they're missing the whole human that is behind those boxes. And so a lot of what I recommend is just slowing down. And I, our brains hate this. Our brains want to be able to say, I see this. This is what it is. The brain wants to make that decision in a split second. And the trap with that is that People are looking at profiles and they're making those decisions in a split second at the time when they don't have information to make that decision. And then three or four dates in, now you've got some more information that tells you maybe this guy is a no, but now your brain is like, yeah, but he's kind of cute. He's kind of sexy. I really don't want to say no now. And so to understand that our natural brain processes are not 
wired to help with this. <laughs> your brain wants you to eat, sleep, and have sex. That's it. It doesn't care about your happiness at all. It doesn't care if you're a man or a woman. It's like, right. Just gonna say, lady bits don't wake up if we didn't want to have sex. Right. Exactly. 100%. I love this book. I forget the author's name, Thinking Fast and Slow. That book really helped me teach my clients that, okay, there are times in the dating process that you need to think fast and there are times that you need to think slow. And part of that is when you do have a person who meets some minimum basic guidelines, knowing that, okay, I'm going to make space for learning more about that person Mm -hmm. and understanding their perspective and asking questions. And and I do say this about my own marriage often is that I, I genuinely believe that it started off, we didn't take enough time to get to know each other. And whether that was because we didn't know ourselves, but more I can only raise my hand and answer for myself. I know I didn't know myself. I know that I didn't work through my shit, you know? So did did that play into it? Absolutely. So now that I'm in a space where I have been taking my time getting to know somebody and asking these questions that, you know, I'm just, I, I, I've come to learn that you can't expect to see yourself in others. Like you said, we want people to behave like us. We think that they do. We think that they think like us, you know, and that's not everybody's natural skill set, but that doesn't mean that they don't bring a different skill set to the table than you, or that they may even want to do what you do or think the way that you do, but they just don't have that. And sometimes if you just ask the question, like, what makes you, like, what's your approach to that? I like to ask this question. It's probably way too therapeutic for him, but I, I'm glad that he, like, you receives and reciprocates in the conversation. Well, I'll say, what was that like growing up? How were your parents? What did you see your parents doing? Or I'll say, when you were a teenager, did your mom take care of those types of things for you? Recognizing that I mean, I've been on my own since I was 15. So it's clear that I know how to be independent, how to figure things out. But not everybody has that same sort of upbringing. And so I think in order for us to own our own journey, we have to recognize that we are not in control of what the other person does. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. And I'm assuming a healthy space, especially a healthy physical and intimate space. But It's okay if you think you're on the right track and then something happens and you start to recognize like, oh, I just don't think long term this is going to work out. It's okay for that to change. Are there any other external measures that you think women are looking at to decide, you know, to influence their decision if they're ready or not? Oh, yeah. It's interesting. Some women go by what their children want. Mm. This is really healthy. Just because your child wants a stepdad or something or wants you to be happy happy in that way doesn't mean you are ready or you even want it. And I think trying to meet your child's needs with your dating life can be a little bit of a sticky situation that really needs to be like, okay, what does the child really need? What are they really asking for? Some of the other things that I think women are using is just this societal pressure to be coupled to be in a relationship. So there is just the language in our world that women are defined by their relationships. So it can be very hard to be a woman, especially in midlife, Mm -hmm. who is not in a relationship. Because one, your chances are your kids are getting to be teenagers, going off to college. So that definition of being a mom is sort of like transitioning out. 
if you're divorced, then you're single. So then it's just you. And that concept of it just being you as a woman, we are so socialized to feel like that's wrong. There's something wrong with that mm-hmm. picture, but there really isn't. You know, the, the single woman in midlife is a spinster. if She's never been married, which that's not as attractive a word as a bachelor. A bachelor is always eligible. It's always, you know, something mm. to be desired. Being a spinster, on the other hand, is like, ooh, you know, a byword and like, oh my God, to be pitied. And so we have to be aware of that just societal pressure and understand that we have our own internal biases against ourselves. And Mm. so if you're feeling uncomfortable with being single and on your own, it might not be your fault. It might just be you've absorbed these messages that tell you that something's wrong with your state. You know, I love that you just pointed out we absorb these messages because that is an aspect that we didn't get to touch on yet. When I think about this is in a marriage, oftentimes, Things are said to you from maybe a spouse or you start to have these self-images, whether they are projected onto you or whether they start to become natural and you start to have this self-talk, this default language that you're saying about yourself. And we could talk about this on so many different facets, but it could be something more along the lines of, I'm not sexual. I don't like sex. I don't give sex. I'm not good at sex. or I'm not attractive. I need to get myself in shape before I can get back out there. Or a multitude of different things that they may have had this new self-perspective on themselves. And there's a negative self-talk that could be talking them out of taking on this next step and realizing that there are very, very, very many people out there that will accept you the way that you are. Yeah. Especially when you're happy with yourself. So is there anything in that space that you see? And how do we overcome that as women to help us recognize that that doesn't need to be a barrier necessarily? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually see it on both ends where sometimes the self-talk that's been absorbed pushes the woman out to date before she really wants to. So mm. the ex marries his affair partner or marries, oh, yeah. or gets into a new relationship super quickly. Sometimes the ex who refused to have children with, um, you know, Mm -hmm. a client of mine will go out there and within a year after the divorce be remarried and have the new wife pregnant, Mm -hmm. you know, or things have been said in the relationship. No one will ever want you. you. You know, you better stay with me. Like so many things that have been said that can push the woman out to date before she's ready or to choose someone that isn't right for her. And then on the other hand, just like you said, you're fat, you're ugly, you, you're, you're bad at this, you're bad at that, there's something wrong with you, what's wrong with you? No one would ever think that way. That makes a woman sort of shrink into this self-protective like ball because of the fear of just being rejected in those ways. I hear women saying things like, well, my house isn't super neat, and so I need to get my life together before I can date again. And sometimes I think there's a measure of financial stability and calmness and peace that is you want to have to just give you that ground to stand on. But in a lot of what I'm noticing is just this perfectionistic thinking where the mm. woman believes that she's not somehow not good enough, not deserving of love, not worthy of love. And, and I'll dig into it. And I'll be like, okay, so what would you need to do to get there? Let's lay out if, if, the, if, mm-hmm. if you know, and I'll challenge you, lay, lay out, okay, what do you need to do? You need to have your house neat. 
Okay. And then, and then as we go through, I was like, so if we did all these things, would you be ready? And she realizes, oh, it's a never ending requirement because it's an internal message that I'm just not good enough. And it wouldn't matter what I did. I would never feel good enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Putting it down on paper helps us create a new level of awareness, especially when we are feeling that overwhelm and it's hard for us to maybe turn Mm -hmm. and look internally. So sometimes writing it down on paper, um, so many great points, you know, so is there anything else that you would want women to know or to consider to kind of help them with that question? Am I ready to date again? And how can they do that on their own terms in an aligned way? Yeah, I think the one thing that really I think is the core of all of this, like if you took one thing away is to believe that you can't center yourself too much in your own life and in your own dating journey. You can't know yourself too much. You can't cater to yourself too much. You can't love yourself too much. So some of my clients, I'll even say, uh, and I know the word diva is very subjective, but for some of them who have such a hard time at centering themselves, I'm like, you know what? When you, you're so far on this end of the spectrum that you need to feel like a diva. If whatever you're doing doesn't make you feel like you're being a diva, you're not doing it. You're not centering yourself enough. And so Centering yourself will help you welcome your triggers when they come up and be like, oh, okay, this is something that needs to be healed and loved on. And I can have self-compassion for this part of me that has, you know, showed up. Instead of blaming myself for my triggers or my challenges or my awkwardness, I can go out and choose someone who is already equipped, in a sense, to cater to what I'm experiencing versus trying to fix myself endlessly forever. It's actually okay to choose a man who is willing to for whom your quote unquote problems, I'm holding up air quotes, is, are not a problem. That's right. Because sometimes the things that we think that we quote unquote need to fix, they are not things that we need to fix. They are an innate part of us. I am a planner. I will plan for white space. I want to plan to have the spontaneous day, but that's my plan for the day, right? I will plan for a rest day. Does that make sense? I and love if it. somebody is saying like, oh, no, I just need you to be spontaneous all the time. I don't need to be fixed with that. I don't need somebody that can fix and suddenly make me spontaneous. I need somebody who can accept me the way that I am. And so that is very important is when you take time to pause, to slow down, to be centered in yourself, which is very different than that, you know, subjective phrase of self-centered. It's when you are centered in yourself and you start to recognize these are the things and these are the parts of me that they are me. They are not going away for the good, bad, or the ugly that somebody else may perceive them as. Yes. Are there things that we can fix? You know, sure. I've been told, Jamie, you need to fix your face or your tonality. You know, those are my things to fix. And then yet to a degree, it's also some of this is a part of me. And so when we recognize that we accept ourselves the way that we are, you can then naturally attract somebody else who will accept that as well. So I love that. I love the fact that you're saying that we cannot be centered in ourselves enough, treat ourselves like the diva that we deserve to be, right? So you guys down in the show notes, I'm going to be dropping in a link. Sade is providing to you access to a pretty cool handout of 50 green flags of a healthy partner, along with a a masterclass replay of how to know he's the one. I mean, 
y'all, even if you need to go through a few or a handful, doesn't have to be the first one. You're learning along the way. So we're going to link that down in the show notes along with your website. Shade said that if somebody is looking for a dating coach after divorce, they can certainly connect with you. So all of that's going to be down there. So I really appreciate you being here today. I think that a lot of women will start to realize I'm not alone in this. I have found myself saying often like everything that you're experiencing is normal. And yet at the same time, nothing is quote unquote normal. Let's just end that stigma. You know, like this is your journey. Own your journey. Well, there you have it, ladies. Were you expecting all that? I mean, we covered lady bits and diva treatment. What else could you want? Okay, but seriously, when it comes to dating after a divorce, there are no guidelines for the timeline that's appropriate except for the ones that you set for yourself. Shade helped us see that through the power of self-awareness, your body can tell you when you're ready, giving you those internal nudges. But we want you to be cautious not to succumb to external pressures because it could push you into starting this journey before you're actually ready. Give yourself compassion in this journey and give yourself room to be curious about what emotions come up. Any potential triggers you feel are great indicators of parts of yourself that are still looking to be healed. As simple as it sounds, the answer to knowing if you're ready to start dating again, what's acceptable timing after your divorce to start, and how to navigate what people will think really all comes down to your own awareness and your willingness to keep failing forward. You create the rules, babe. It's your journey. No one else's. Connect with yourself. Center yourself. Sit with yourself to learn the language of your body. And to help you on this journey, I've got some great freebies down in the show notes for you, including my own guide to mastering your self-awareness and Sade's 50 green flags of a healthy partner, along with her masterclass replay of how to know he's the one. And of course, if you're looking for more divorce-related resources, then visit peaceofminddivorce.info so that you can access our library of handouts and worksheets. All you have to do is go to peaceofminddivorce.info and sign up for free today.